This is Real Estate Rookie episode 293. We thought we were handymen and women and we were going to go in there and do all the work ourselves and we we're going to put in new flooring and new cabinets. And I realized growing up with a single mom, I was not necessarily taught those skills. <laughs> <laughs> we had all these false hopes and ideas and I'm like, you know what? This isn't worth it. I do not have the skills to do this, but I do have the skills to continue building my team and put people in place who can do this for me. My name is Ashley Kerr and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we give you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And as always, uh, you know, I'm really excited for this episode because we got a husband and wife duo, and it's been a while since we had the the whole husband and wife dynamic. I think our last one was with uh, Devana and Reed, where they talked about sober living, and I know that episode did phenomenally well. And today we've got Brandon and Danny, and I feel like this episode will do just as good as uh, Devon and Reed did. Yeah, there, there's a common theme that we start to notice by the end of the episode is that at night, they're not spending their time binging Netflix or going to sleep or going out drinking. They put their kids together and they are having discussions. They are talking about their business and they are exceptional communicators. It, it, it appears from this episode, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of talk about what their process is for their business meetings, what they do throughout the day to kind of create an agenda and then what they talk about at night. And they said that this is just their, their, a priority to them. And I think the skill sets that they have implemented and the habits can go for you, whether you and your significant other are partnering or just, you know, they're supportive and they're on board where maybe you still need to fill them in and keep those lines of communication. Or if you're not even together and you're just friends that are becoming business partners, I think there's a lot of value to take away on partnerships here. You know, I, I just loved how how hard these two hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, they both work full-time jobs, but Brandon was working like three jobs, like 80 hours a week, and they were still able to scale their portfolio to six units in like a year and a half. Half, which is crazy. Yeah, 15 months. Yeah, 15 months. Insane. And Brandon kind of talks about like why and how they were able to overcome the objections of, oh, I'm working a lot or, or we have two young kids or, oh, you know, we got to spend time doing this and really just hustle. Um, they also spent a little bit of time talking about the difference between a cash out refinance and a HELOC which one they chose and why. And I th- thought that was a really interesting part of the, the the conversation. And then for a brief moment, we also just talk about like the identity uh, of a real estate investor. Like, what does it really mean? What are the skills you really need to be considered or to feel like a, a real estate investor? Yeah. And if you guys are not feeling motivated or inspired, uh, I'm going to tell you this little piece about them is that, so they just started 15 months ago and in five years, retirement is real for them. Uh, just doing boring old Buy and hold rentals. So. <laughs> Buy and hold rentals. All right. So let me let me give a shout out to someone by the username of Logan Barrera. Logan loved to say a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It says, bigger pockets is a must for me in the mornings. It's just part of my routine. Been listening to you guys for a little more than six months now and would really love to start investing in real estate. It's something I've been thinking about for a while now. I got some knowledge, but don't really know where to start in today's world. So Logan actually ends his, his review with a question. And Logan says, my question is, how can can a broke college student start investing in real estate? Well, Logan, and for all of our other broke college students who are listening, you'll want to take notes and listen to our next episode, episode 294, where we actually bring on uh, two young real estate investors, one of which was in college, one who's actually just graduating from high school. And both of those guests used side hustles to fund their real estate business. So Logan, if you're interested, check out episode 294 dropping this Saturday and you'll get the answer. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed 
allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. How long have you guys been married? 2015? Yeah, we met in 2014, got married in 2015. And do you guys have uh, have any kids or just the two of you? Or Yeah, we have two. We have a five-year-old and just turned seven-year-old, both little boys. So it's kind of fun. We take them um, to all the houses with us and we let them all look at them and they're actually getting good at even pointing flaws and stuff out. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, Daddy, the floor is broke. <laughs> it's been kind of cool to watch them kind of get involved in it too. So, so did you guys start investing after you had kids? Son? Yes. Okay. Well, kind of walk us through that. So kind of just kind of back it up. Like we met, started dating. Um, we had been only dating 30 days before we moved in. Um, and then we were engaged after about six months, um, married at like a year and a half. And then kids a year later. Kid, Yeah. Our first son was born a year later. So everything was just kind of very, very fast. Like we just kind of knew what we both wanted. Um, the fact that we're both social workers was incredibly beneficial because we're able to bounce ideas off each other. Kudos to you guys for, you know, 30 days in kind of already knowing that this was the person you wanted to to build your life with. I, I always joke with my wife, you know, we, we started dating when we were seniors in high school. And I told her when we were 17 that I was going to marry her, you know, and, and, and you just kind of, you just kind of know sometimes. So I just, I just love hearing love stories. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good love story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you said both you guys are, are social workers. Just for for maybe folks that aren't familiar with exactly what a social worker is, just like what is what does a typical day look like for you, Danny? Well, it starts typically in the office about eight a.m. and I am in the field or on the community probably ninety percent of my day. So I go into AFC homes, adult foster care homes, private homes, and I help support individuals with disabilities, um, kind of all spectrums. So your schizophrenics or your bipolars and or those profound IDD, like Down syndrome individuals. And I teach them kind of and work with them to gain independence so they can kind of live the most, you know, quality kind of life that they can. Um and then I work with them in finding jobs in the community or like volunteering in the community. So my days it's it changes from day to day, moment to moment. You know, you have your eight to five all planned out and something happens and it's no longer that. So kind of just living, you know, just by moment by moment. And he does pretty much the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so when you decided to start real estate investing, was this kind of nighttime hours then? Was it put the kids to bed and, you know, we're going to start looking for deals? Kind of talk about how you were able to integrate working on real estate investing into your busy schedule. It, it kind of just started with like, 
because I from the podcast I learned, I just wanted to kind of build a team. So we started that like throughout the day. Um, me reaching out to um, different credit unions to find a, a lender, um, reaching out to different uh, real estate agents that could meet my needs. And then once we were able to do that, I then was able to like use the real estate agent to kind of um, gain more resources. And so once we kind of had all those things in set, then it was just like that after hours when the kids were put to bed of like, okay, these houses are available. What are your thoughts? And, and, and again, at the beginning, we were clueless. We had no clue what it cost for rehabs. Um, we had no clue that what went into a closing cost. Um, and it was just sitting there with the TV on in the background, just conversations for hours because we were both scared to make a mistake. And then eventually, like one day, like my realtor at the time just presented us a deal and it was like, okay, let's go. Brandon, how, how did you know that you were you were ready I think so many people that are in the rookie community, the bigger podcast community, they they read the the books, they listen to the podcast, they watch YouTube videos, but they get stuck in that phase of just eternal education and they never actually pulled the trigger. So when that agent actually sent you that deal, how did you know that, okay, this is the one that we're, we actually want to pull the trigger on? So for me, real estate is something I wanted to do since I was like 18. Like, like when I was a senior in high school, real estate was just what I wanted to do. But I had no clue how it worked. At that time, I thought you just buy a house, somebody pays it off, and, and you make some money somehow. And so after I had educated myself with that specific deal, I figured out, um, I did the research in the area for what the house would rent for and just kind of ran the numbers. I, I actually think I read an article that Brandon Turner had wrote about how to run basic numbers. And I, I did a very simple calculation that I still do, handwritten calculations on my numbers to this day. And to me, the numbers just made sense. The ROI made sense. And it's like, okay, it, this is the chance. And then not only that, but when we refinanced our house, we had plenty of money in reserves if something was to come up. Before we get into more of your deals, uh, can you kind of tell us why you want to do this? Like what is driving you guys to talk about real estate at night while you know the TV's running in the background? What was that reasoning? My why is because I grew up with a single mom that was raising three kids by herself with very little support, um, and she was doing the best she could. And so for me, this was something that was going to create generational wealth that I can pass down to my kids, and my kids can pass down to their kids. Real estate is something that, like, with the appreciation and everything else, like, it just gets better over time. It, it doesn't get worse. And so that's, I wanted to create something for, so my kids didn't have to struggle and their kids didn't have to struggle. And then Danny, what about for you? I mean, what was your, was your why aligned? Was it more so Brandon that, that kind of initially planted the seed? How did you get integrated into the business? So my why was not aligned at all. Um, <laughs> we can't even sugarcoat that. Um, it, I was completely dead against it for a very long time. He had probably been talking to me for maybe a year um, maybe a little longer about his desire to do real estate. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. And to me, it was having to change the mindset of, you know, having money in your bank account versus investing. And all I could see was the bank account going down. And I couldn't wrap my head around like how this was going to make us successful. Like, how is this going to give us financial freedom if we don't have money in the bank account? And so it took a lot of long nighttime conversations and him also sharing that education with me, I had to get kind of into learning about it, running the numbers, and kind of diving in with him to understand what we were doing and why this was going to be beneficial before I really agreed to it. Our first property, I was still very much on the fence. I was supportive, but very much on the fence about what we were doing and why. And I just kept telling myself that, you know, I've trusted him all along. Like, I just got to keep trusting him. And to this day, he'll present a deal. And I'm like, me. And he, I'm like, but I trust you. So if you feel it's a good, it's a good deal, then we'll roll with it. So, um, and that's just kind of how it works for us. Danny, I, I appreciate the the transparency there because I, I know one of the biggest questions that we get on this podcast is how do I get my spouse on board? How, how do I get my spouse to go on this journey with me? 
And you, you said one word that I think is so critically important. You said, I trust him mm-hmm. and I've always trusted him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the baseline for getting your spouse on board is that the trust between you and your spouse has to be there. And if you don't have that baseline of trust, then there's nothing that Ashley and I can say on a podcast that's going to create that trust. It has to start kind of deeper within the relationship. But obviously, Brandon's done something throughout your time together for you to say, okay, when, when Brandon kind of puts his mind to something, it's not it's not a brash decision. It's not him being irrational. It's because he's thought about it. And it's because he thinks it's what's best for our family. So I, I just love hearing that from you because I, I think a lot of people overlook how important trust trust is. Um, but something else you mentioned though, was the, the sharing the education. So just like from a, a like a, a real standpoint, like were you guys just listening to podcasts together, did Brandon just hand you a book and say, go read this? Like, like what did your educational path look like? So he kind of started it. He would start talking to me about it and I'm like, I'm clueless. I have no idea what you're talking about. And so it took me downloading the Bigger Pockets app and he had me join some Facebook groups. And then I kind of just started reading and things that caught my eye or my attention. And then the conversations kind of started from there. Did you see that they posted this or did you see this? And then that would kind of start those conversations. And then I'll never forget the day he taught me how to run numbers. Like we were driving um, and he like, get your phone out. I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I'm like, no. I'm not going to be able to do it. He's like, get your phone out. I'm going to teach you how to do this. (laughs) When we did, and we were driving, I don't remember where we were driving to, but he did. And by the end of it, I was running numbers for him. And so it's just been kind of a, I always say it's like our little like marriage hobby. Like we don't have a lot that we do together because we both work so much, but this has kind of allowed us to find something in common that we enjoy doing and has kind of brought us closer that way. So it's been kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's really awesome that you've kind of figured out that piece and thought about it that way instead of like, oh, we just hustle every day. It's like, you know what, but we get to spend this quality time together and we get to work on a project together. I I think it's awesome that you kind of switched your mindset that way. Uh, What One thing I did want to ask you, Danny, is what were your finances like before you started investing in real estate? Was this like part of you not wanting to do this as you had this life savings that you were afraid of losing? Were you, you know, already completely in debt? You didn't want to take on more debt. Um, get, kind of paint that picture for us. So since I've met Brandon, we've always been very financially sound. Like he always did way better than I did, like that concept of saving money and putting money away. And um, until I met him, I had never really understood what it meant to like be, you know, together with someone on I was always single and uh, I was at my own bank account. So, you know, a few thousand in the bank account was a big deal to me. So, you know, as we met and we started working and we started putting money away and buying houses and our first like primary house, I kind of seen that balance go up in that savings, so to speak. And I was like, oh, I like this. I like this number getting higher. I like this number going, you know, getting higher. And he would go in and he'd be like, all right, we're going to go pay this off. And he would literally take it all away. And I'm like, going to hyperventilate. Like, what? <laughs> like, we just worked so hard to get that bank account up there. It, but again, like, I always seen the dollar amount. Like, I always seen, okay, we have 40000 in the savings or whatever it is. He's seen that as what can we pay off so we don't have that debt. And so we had very different financial kind of mindsets when it came to that. And he had to understand where I was coming from and I had to understand where he was coming from. And we've had to merge that a little bit. And we've come to terms with like what I'm comfortable with being in the account and what he's comfortable in making sure we have enough. And so, again, it goes back to that trusting piece like okay, he's going to take our savings down because he found something, but I'm going to trust him because he promises me that we will get it back up. (laughs) 
Okay. So let's kind of talk about your first deal then. Um, Brandon, you had touched on like it was time you got the deal and like this was the one. So walk us through that process for you as to, you know, that, did you have a lender you were working with? How were you financing this deal? And, and Danny, what was your take on where this money was coming from and how you, you know, if you're going into more debt? If I can just ask one, one question before you get into that, if, if you also wouldn't mind, uh, Brandon, just kind of setting the table, what is your portfolio look like today? How many units do you guys have? Uh, what's it a mix of? We have six single family households. I'm ranging from one bed, one bath to three beds, one bath. Okay. Awesome. And so with, with the first property kind of goes back to like me convincing Danny that this is something that we should do. We did a cash out refinance of our primary residence, um, which we had paid off. So at that time we had no debt, no student loans, no cars were both paid off. So we had zero debt whatsoever. And so we did a cash out refinance and the first property we went into, we're like, okay, we like it. It needs a slight rehab. Um, we bought it for 64,000 and this is after I'd already built a team. So I'd already had a team in place. So I already had my lender in place. And so we did a 25% down um, conventional loan and that's how we've purchased all of our properties. And we went in there and we thought that we were handymen and women, and we were going to go in there and do all the work ourselves, and we are going to put in new flooring and new cabinets. And I realized growing up with a single mom, I was not necessarily taught those skills. <laughs> <laughs> we had all these false hopes and ideas, and I'm like, I got stressed out. I'm like, you know what? This isn't worth it. I do not have the skills to do this, but I do have the skills to continue building my team and put people in place who can do this for me. So we found a contractor to come in and basically rehab the kitchen, put gutters on, um, did some uh, foundation work, the vapor barrier. So then later on, we then end up having to replace the windows. So all in all, I think we have about $26,000 into renovating the house. And so we say it's a terrible deal because the ARV is probably right around 99. So you bought it for 64, put 26 into it. You know, you're at 90K. If you go to sell it, by the time you're closing costs and everything, you're not making any money. But for us, that was the experience we needed to get started. And so that's our probably our favorite house. That's the house we would probably never sell because it it was our the start to our journey. What was the original rehab you guys had estimated? And then how did that change when you integrated a, now the cost of a contractor to do the work? The original rehab we had right around between ten to twelve thousand. So a big almost double. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to like highlight that because even though that was that could be somebody's worst case scenario is that, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I have to hire someone now. And that deal, you're still saying that it worked out for you because it got you started and basic and you turned that into a rental, correct? Yep. And that property currently cash flows at $500 a month. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's amazing. So it wasn't, and I think some people get stuck in the mindset of it has to be a perfect burr where when I'm going and refinancing, I have to pull all of my money back out or else, you know, the deal didn't work. And that that's not always the case. You can leave some money back into it. So how much money did you guys end up leaving into the deal? We actually didn't pull any money out. Oh, okay. We just left the money in it because we had because when we refinanced our house, we had enough money to continue doing what we wanted to do. So at the point, we've, we've talked about it now, maybe pulling the money out of the house, but we've never necessarily needed the funds because when we refinanced our house, we pulled out 110K at that point. And so we'd only spent about, it was about 38,000 total. So we still had plenty of reserves. And plus, because I work so much, we, we build up our reserves pretty quickly. So I just want to make sure I'm, I'm tracking on the timeline of events here. So you guys refinance your primary residence. You get a little over $100,000 in cold, hard cash. You then take that cash and you, you pay cash for your first investment property and you pay cash for the rehab. No, we did a conventional loan. So we only had to put down 25% down. So it was about 17000 for the first property. Got it. Plus then the cost of the rehab. Got it. Got it. Okay. So with the the down payment of 25% plus the cost of the rehab, you're all in for just under 40K is what you're saying on that exactly. first deal? Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So let me let me ask you a question because uh, you know this is something that's, that's debated quite a bit in the, the bigger pockets forums and groups. Um, you, you had a significant amount of equity in your property. Um, why choose to get a cash out refi versus just getting a, a HELOC? 
What was your thought process? Did you did you explore both options? We did, and we had extensive, long conversations amongst the two of us on what what would be best. Hmm. And basically, it came down to my lender educating me on what would be best. Um, and he said, the volatility in the market right now, we don't know what's going to happen, and a HELOC can change the rate after so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and our HELOC rate, I want to say, was 4.25%, but our cash-out refinance rate was 3.25%. And so at that low rate, you can't get much lower than that. So if we can lock in that rate for 30 years and guaranteed to have $100-plus, I-, I didn't see any downside to that. Yeah. And we're like, worst case, we can't find a house. We don't like this. You know, we hold on to this money for a while. We eventually pay the house back and it's, it, you know, we've lost a few grand. Interesting. So um, if just for folks who don't understand the difference between a, a HELOC and a cash out refinance, um, would you guys mind describing what, what the differences are? Yeah. Um, a HELOC is essentially a glorified credit card that you can use the money whenever you want and you don't have to pay on it unless you've used some of it. Where a cash-out refinance, they basically give you all the money up front and you start paying interest on that on that amount right away. And with the refinance, you're essentially uh, either replacing your existing mortgage or in your situation, you're implementing a first mortgage. Um, and that's that's basically your your new house payment. So you're replacing one set of debt with, with a new one. But I, I love the thought process that you guys have around like, uh, which one makes the most sense uh, in our unique situation. And the benefit with a, a cash out refi is that oftentimes you're able to kind of tap into a little bit more equity. I guess it might depend. I don't know. I've heard some people going, going pretty high on, on HELOCs also, but a lot of times you can get a little bit more equity when you cash out refi uh, or definitely when you sell. There's also the option to do both as to do a cash out refinance for some of it and then do the HELOC on another portion of it where you're going to the bank and getting the same at the same time. So maybe if you're in a situation where you wanted to do a HELOC because once the rehab is done and you refinance, whatever, you want to pay off that HELOC because you can't afford to keep making another payment. Well, if you got your mortgage payment, when you do the cash out to refinance, something you can continuously afford to pay and continuously reuse that money, even if it's just sitting and you don't have you know it working on a deal at that moment. Um, but you can also kind of break it out and do both of those at the same time as do part of the cash out refinance and then the HELOC to um, the property. Brandon, you mentioned that you you, you weren't a very handy guy. Um, and I'm, I'm the same way, right? Like I can do basic things like around the property, right? But like I'm not doing plumbing. I'm probably not going to lay down any flooring, tiling. Like those aren't my things that, that I'm good at. And when I first started, it was this identity where I, I didn't feel like I was an actual real estate investor because I didn't know how to do those things. And I felt like if I can't swap out a toilet, then I'm not a real investor. And I had to remind myself that the people that are investing at the highest level, not a single one of them are changing toilets or laying down flooring or or, or laying down tile, right? They're focused on bigger picture things like, how do I secure my debt? How do I find the right deals? How do I put these deals together? How do I raise the capital that I need for my real estate investing? So for all of our rookies that are listening, if you feel like you're also struggling with that identity piece because you aren't super handy... I'm a great example. Brandon and Danny are great examples. Um, Ashley's kitchen that she did not too long ago was a, a terrible kitchen and, and tanked her her ARV. So <laughs> she's not the best person for that either. So I, I think it's just something we got to get over as real estate investors. Um, so I, I guess just, just one last question on, on that on that same thread there. At what point did you realize you needed to bring in a, a contractor for that first deal? Was it you guys tried to do some of this work yourself and you're like, man, we are not cut out for this? Or was were you guys arguing with each other while trying to lay flowing? Like, what what was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the above. Yeah. So Danny had gone to the store and picked up the flooring. We had it back at the house and she was doing cleaning because this house was a previous rental from someone who was out, who owned it that was out of state and didn't do a very good job of, of taking care of it. And so Danny came in to do a lot of the cleaning and then I was going to you know do the maintenance stuff and fix it up. And about 20 minutes into it, I was incredibly frustrated. I felt like a failure. I felt like maybe real estate isn't for me. Like all these negative intrusive thoughts started going through my head about how like I can't be successful if I can't do these things. And so we kind of came home that night and just made a new game plan. Again, kids went to bed. Let's have a conversation. How can we do this? We had just met with a contractor. I want to say about a a week prior to that, that was going to come and do the bathroom on our primary residence. 
So we shot him a text message the next day and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I could do that. So we actually took the slot for the our bathroom in our primary residence and gave it to like our rental property. So we didn't have to wait a long duration because we'd already had this slot reserved for our bathroom. So we ended up just pushing our bathroom back. So we're kind of lucky in that aspect. And that was just kind of the moment of like, you know what, I can do this, and but I'm just going to do it different than other people. That kind of reminds me of the old saying, um, you know, the shoemaker's kids never have shoes because he's too busy making other, you know, people's shoes. And it, it's like you gave up your own bathroom remodel for your rental property to have a bathroom in it. And I think that's a very common thing that happens where investors start to put their properties in front of their own personal preferences or things that they may want. And that's what actually makes them excel and gets ahead because they do put make their properties a priority compared to maybe their primary residence. Tony, I know we've talked about this before, but I still have not gone and bought a dishwasher for my primary residence. And I think <laughs> we're going on maybe a year where I don't have a working dishwasher. <laughs> we, we've been at our house for over four years and our mattress in our master bedroom is still sitting on the floor <laughs> because we haven't, we haven't bought a bed frame yet. But yet you order, you know, the beautiful furniture all every the single time. day. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And so, yeah, I think that's that's great that you guys are already in that mindset of, you know, like right now we're sacrificing the weight of our bathroom, you know, to be done, to get this property done. Uh, how did it work out with the contractor? Did everything go great? Do you have maybe some lessons learned? That's like a, a huge thing. Even Tony and I love to learn about still is managing contractors, managing rehab. So or some things you guys learned from the experience. Actually, it kind of worked out perfect. We had no problems with our contractor. They showed up, did the job. There, there were, we had zero problems with them. Tony is uh, turning green right now with jealousy. <laughs> yeah. We're a small, tight-knit community here. And if you just kind of get a bad name for yourself, like it, it goes fast in this community. So like the two different contractors I've used for projects, I've never had a single issue with any of them. Like I, 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 I don't even think I've actually had a contract written up. Like they come in, give me an estimate. We give them half of it up front wow. and then half when they finish. So what city are you guys in? I don't know if we touched on this yet. We live in Breckenridge, Michigan, but um, five of our properties are in Alma, Michigan. And then the other one is in Ithaca, Michigan. And it's it's all within like a 20 minute drive from our house. So how did you how did you guys find this contractor uh, that, that did so phenomenally well for you? Well, I actually... I use Facebook, use social media, and I put out like recommendations for contractors. Um, and I had a girl that I worked with give me the name of the guy in his business because um, he had previously built a house for her. And so she's like, he's really great, like reach out. And so we reached out and it, I mean, it, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, so kudos to you guys for for finding, you know, an A star kind of rock star uh, player that the first time at bat, because finding a contract is one of the hardest things to do. And honestly, what Ash and I usually say is that you almost never want to give them half up front, especially if it's their, your first time working with them, because we've heard so many horror stories from other guests where they give half up front and they never hear from the contractor again. They skip town. Um, so typically we try and put our, our payments to, you know, the, the bigger payments towards the back as, as work is getting close to the end. But and if, if you guys got a rock star, um, you know, I guess keep 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 using them as much as you can. That's amazing. So before we go on to your second deal, um, let's go on to to look back at other lessons learned. Maybe, you know, the rehab went great for you. Is there anything else um, where you're like, OK, so we've taken this first property. It didn't turn out exactly how we wanted it to. This is what we're doing different going into the next one. I think it was just more having a better understanding. And, and then at, by that time, I had more of a chance to continue educating myself, reading different books, um, reading more forums, like the Rookie Real Estate Forum on Facebook is great because you can post right away to ask questions. And so we just did that. We would post questions and, and then you'd get 15, 20 replies within a day. And so I think that was the biggest thing that probably helped us the most was the continuing education. And then we are also looking like we kind of figured out we want to focus primary our primary investing in Elma because uh, it's supported by the college, it's supported by um, a hospital, 
It's, it has a Walmart, and there's a correlation with towns that have Walmart with appreciations. So just several different things that we just had focused on about, like, this is where we want to do. And the rents are essentially higher there. We had scoured Craigslist, fake Facebook Marketplace, Apartments.com, and just different things like that to find out what rents were in the area. And we found out that there, they had the highest rents, and um, this appeared to be the lowest time to, to fill a, a vacancy. The other thing that we kind of really learned to kind of start paying attention to is as we started looking at houses were those bigger ticket items. So going in and like what were going to be those immediate big ticket items that we may have to replace that could potentially cut into, you know, our finances. And so like we walk in, you know, to a house and go, oh, the floor needs to be replaced. That's not a big deal. However, the roof is going to need to be replaced and we're looking at a significant, a lot more money. So we were also kind of educating ourselves on like what's important and what's not. Like in our first property, I remember like freaking out about underneath the bathroom sink because it was so dirty. Now it's like, that's no big deal. Like (laughs) It it comes with, you know, that kind of as you go, now I don't even look underneath the sinks. Like I don't even care. Like it is what it is. Now it's, you know, the roofs and the foundation and the windows and things like that that are a little bit more important. So that's kind of the one big takeaway that I've gotten like as we go in from our first property to like kind of where we are now. And can I ask, so are you guys self-managing that first unit? Because you said you're cash on about four or 500 bucks a month. Like that's, is that with or without property management? That's without. So okay. in the beginning, I was property managing on top of working all my jobs. And one day I kind of came home, had a nervous breakdown <laughs> and said, I can't, I can't continue doing all this. And Danny stepped right up and said, hey, I will take over all the property management one of the best things we found was rent ready. It 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 is one of the it is amazing. Keep talking about them. They're a really good sponsor of ours. So go ahead, hype them up. No, I just referred a friend to it, and and, and actually, you get a hundred dollars when you refer someone to them. Yeah. So I I just got that, and so rent ready has just saved us so much because it screens the tenant. They request maintenances. They can pay on there. Like we have to do very little with that. And so once we actually found that the management of the property actually became pretty easy. What are some advantages of using property management software as to like, why do you think it's easier when you have found um, software that you can use? Like just mention some of the features or benefits that you guys have found. So for us, the big thing was we never wanted to pick the wrong tenant that's going to destroy our property. So with, with rent ready, it essentially screens the tenant for you. It gives you a credit score, a criminal history, and a background check. The tenant pays the fee for rent ready. So it's essentially all done for free on our behalf. They do the screen. And then once, if the screen goes well, then you can approve it right there. They can upload um, documents that you need, such as um, ID, pay stubs, emergency contacts, phone numbers, any additional documentation you need. It all It's all in one central place. And then the one thing I like the most is that, you know, tenants have a chaotic schedule. They never know what's going on, but they can pay rent on the first at, you know, 1159 and still be paid in the first. So it gives them more freedom to to pay from their phone instead of having to take it and write a check and mail it out. And then hopefully it shows up. It just, it makes their lives easier and it makes our lives easier. Um, they can also take videos and photos of things that need to be repaired, upload it to the site, and then that comes directly to us. So then when we go to a plumber or, or whoever we're using to fix the problem, we can say, hey, this is what's going on. I think those are great uh, key features that you highlighted, Brandon. I, I 100% agree that getting property management software, and it's it's super affordable, especially rent ready too. But um having that can literally change, you know, how passive your or active you are as a property manager. So if there's anyone that's considering to self-manage, I highly recommend checking out, uh, you know, some kind of property management software or switching and implementing it into your business. At the end of the year, they also will send you a 1099 for each property for tax purposes. Yeah, that's another great thing too, is all of the the bookkeeping, the, t- the tax prep, the record keeping and everything too, that you can do right inside property management software.
Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we go on, I just want to ask one question because Brandon, you mentioned this. You said that you had a kind of a, a, a mental breakdown because of all of your jobs. Um, <laughs> like how how many jobs were you working? Just kind of give us a sense of what all was going on and like your your W two side. So right now, um, I'm a full time case manager in Saginaw, and that's forty hours. And I work for what's called assertive community treatment which is the most intense case management program that exists. Everybody in our caseload is either bipolar, schizophrenic, or major depressive disorder, and they've all been inpatient several times. Um, so we see them anywhere from two to five times a week. And then I carry a partial caseload, so a part-time caseload in their case management program. And I do that about another 15 to 20 hours a week. And then I also work at Covenant ER in Saginaw, and I screen people for crisis nights and weekends. And then for our struggles, finding a real estate agent that could meet our needs because my schedule was so hectic, because I worked so many hours, like if I want to see a house, you need to work around my schedule. And I couldn't really find a realtor that could do that. And it was unfair to have that expectation to them of like, I'm available now, you need to be available. So I actually went and got my real estate license. <laughs> wow. And so now I can write all my own deals and we can go see a property when we want to see it. I don't have to plan ahead. So technically I was doing those four plus I was managing all the properties. And like I said, I just, it, it became too much. I came home one night and uh, we told the kids that they could play PlayStation and we went and closed ourselves in the bedrooms and we just sat down and, and just figured out all of our finances for the last six months averaged out what our expenses were, averaged out what we brought home um, with the rentals and our W-2s. And we're like, where can we cut back or what can we do? And it was at that point that she took over as the full-time property manager. Um, she contacted all the tenants th within the next week. And so sh she's the property manager. And I like to say like, I'm the asset manager, so I can focus on all the bigger picture stuff. And I don't have to deal with the day-to-day stuff that just takes up my time that I don't necessarily have time for. 
Brandon, like, uh, first kudos to you, man, for just like busting your hump and, and making all those, those sacrifices to kind of bring some more cash flow in. But if I'm, if I'm adding all that up, right, you got 40 hours here, 15 hours there, 15 hours there. It's like a 70, 80 hour work week every single week. And I, I, I think it's such a, such an important thing to call out because there, there are tons of people who are listening to this podcast who are working 40 hours a week, maybe even less, and are still claiming that they don't have time to start investing in real estate. So why do you think you were able, with you working you know, 80 hours a week, Danny, you working at least another 40 hours a week, how were you guys able to find the time to still build your real estate portfolio? Like why, why didn't the excuse of, Oh, I work too much or we have two kids or we still got to make time for each other. Like why, why didn't those other excuses stop you from getting started and building your portfolio? So for me, a lot of it was the support of Danny. Like everybody asked me, like, how do you do what you do and not be stressed out? And I said, it's, it's my wife. She's, she's, She's my biggest fan. She's my biggest support. Like when I'm having a bad day or even like a, 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 a bad situation at work, like she's the first person I call. And so it's just knowing that like, yeah, we're overwhelmed. Yes, we're stressed out, but we always have each other at the, at the end of the day. And then it's just about figuring out how you can do things to basically combine tasks. So like I had bought weight equipment to put in my basement. So I'm not going to the gym anymore. So I can spend time with my children in between sets of working out. It's just you know, and then giving tasks to each other. Like Danny, she cook or she makes my lunch every single morning for work. So that's something I don't have to worry about doing. So she does all the little things where I can focus on our our business and, and making more money to grow our business. We talk about that a lot for business partners is that give and take as to, you know, whose responsibilities are what as, you know, team members and making sure that if one person is kind of carrying the weight on some things or maybe doing something that's supposed to be your responsibility, that it's not like, oh, I'm not doing that. That's not my job. Or, you know, Brandon, I'm not making your lunch. You can feed yourself. You know, it's like those things like that too. They, you know, they can go together in partnerships and all kinds of different relationships, whether it's business or personal as to sometimes, you know, if, Brandon is stressed out and has a lot going on that there may be things that that Danny picks up and and takes care of, even if it's not her responsibility. And I think in all types of partnerships, that is such a big thing you have to wrap your head around is that you can't nitpick as to what's fair, what's not fair as to who's doing more this month, because maybe it's next month where you can't pick up as much of the slack. So I think that's a big takeaway from you guys sharing right there. Uh, one, one more thing before we go into our segments that I want to ask about this piece is it seems to me that at a lot of times at night, you guys are having basically alignment meetings where you guys are sitting down, you're talking about where you want to go, what your goals are, what's going on in the business. How do you guys stay focused on doing that instead of you know, binging Netflix or brand, as Brandon Turner used to say, watching, you know, The Bachelor. Uh, so w- what's some advice can you give the rest of us as to like, here's how we stay motivated so that at night we put the kids to bed and we're building our business and talking about it and, you know, having those discussions. I feel like for me, a lot of it's like pre-planned throughout the day. So it might be her sending me a property or me sending her a property or, you know, hey, this is a list of like these three things we need to talk about later. So it's like we'll plan it throughout the day in between our appointments at work. And so we kind of have it like set in place of like these are the topics we need to respond. Almost like in an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have a business meeting. Yeah. Like we've got to don't forget <laughs> this is this is what yeah. we got to do before we can go to bed tonight. Um, and it, honestly, like it's become kind of the priority, like. And it sounds like, yeah, relaxing, self-care, all that's very important, but so is our business. And so, you know, it may be, we try to stick to property management, you know, between nine and five. Like we try not to bug our tenants late. We kind of, you know, have, unless it's an emergency, but, you know, there are times like, oh, so-and-so texted me today. This is going on. This is what I did. So it's kind of bringing the other person up to speed too on maybe what's been going on. Because as much as I am the property manager, I can honestly say I tag him in 
to situations and things frequently because, again, I don't have all the answers. And so, or it's, I am swamped, I'm heading into the hospital, can you please call and make this happen? And he'll do it on his break. So again, it's that give and take. And it's just knowing that we both are not available all the time to do everything. So it's who can do it in that moment. And so that's kind of a lot can happen in our day in those eight hours, 10 hours that we're away from each other. And so it's like bringing everybody up to speed after the kids go to bed on, you know, what may may have happened in one of the rentals or who we heard from or what the contractor said or whatever that may be. So I always think that's a, a great piece because, you know, partnerships, whether married or not, that, you know, they play such an a, important role. And I think communication is really, uh, you know, a big part of it. Uh, Tony and I are, you know, just finished writing a book on uh, partnerships powered by partnerships. And it's coming out this August with Bigger Pockets Publishing. And we have this pyramid that we put together. And one of the key components of that pyramid is communication. And I think that's exactly what you guys are doing every night. And even throughout the day is communicating and, and keeping those lines of communication open and clear and transparent with each other. And I, I think that's a, a big reason as to why you guys have grown and scaled so fast. I mean, what was what was the time frame on that? We have six six units in roughly fifteen months. Amazing, amazing. Wow. Let's go into the rookie request line. So, if anybody would like to leave us a question and have our guests answered on the show, you can go to biggerpockets.com slash reply. So today's question is from Zachary. Hi, my name is Zachary Nazarchek. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. The question that I have today is what really makes an equity line of credit for doing a HELOC better than refinancing or how do you decide which is better when you're trying to make the next move with your property? You need a lot more information, I feel like, before I'd feel comfortable truly answering this question because it depends on how much equity you have in the house and what are your goals. Are you just Do you just want one or two property or are you trying to scale to like where this is going to be your business. This is your retirement plan. I think if you're trying to scale and this is your retirement plan and you want to get out of the rat race, then I would encourage doing a cash out refinance because you know that at that point you're invested. You have a lump sum of money that you need to spend to reinvest. If not, it's just going to cost you money. Where with a HELOC, if you can't find a property, it doesn't cost you anything. That money is just sitting there and you don't have to worry about moving as fast or as quickly. I love that insight, Brandon. And I think the only other caveat to that is also think about where your rates are at. You know, um, if you're locked into like a sub 3% interest rate and you're trying to refinance today north of 6%, that there could be some impacts there. Um, so just also kind of take that into account. But I, I love your point, Brandon, about like committing to it. And yeah, you're like with the HELOC, it's like, yeah, you can use it. You don't have to use it. It's kind of up to you. But when you refinance, like that payment's going to be due every 30 days. So you got to make sure you're putting that money to work. Um, all right, let's move on to our next segment, which is our rookie exam. These are the same three questions we ask every single guest. So we'll jump into question number one, which is what is one actionable thing rookie should do after listening to this episode? And Danny, we'll start with you first. The most important thing would probably find either like if you're going to go in solo, find your team and or make sure you bring your spouse in and that they're kind of on board with the plan. And Brandon, what about from your perspective? Yeah, it's you got to build a team. You're, you're, that's the biggest component. I had called roughly 25 credit unions to find that first lender and then the agent and then the home inspector and then a contractor and then maintenance man. Once you have those five people, you might be lucky and some of those people might be the same, but once you find those five people, you can tackle the world. Brandon, just really quickly, man, you, you said you called 25 different credit unions what what were you looking for? Like like what what were the questions you were asking until you found the one that was like okay this is one I want to work with. I the questions I, I wanted to know what the interest rate was. I wanted to know what they offered that others didn't. Um, I wanted to know if I could communicate through text message primarily because sometimes if I'm I'm with a consumer who's at a doctor's appointment or shopping like I can respond to a text message but I can't take a phone call. Um, so if they're okay, do primary communication is text message. And that that was the most important to me was, was the form of communication. I think you guys already answered this next question. But if there was something else you wanted to mention, uh, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? 
We love Rat Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take that. We'll jump to our third and final question. And uh, Brandon, we'll start with you on this one. But where do you plan on being in five years? On a beach somewhere retired. <laughs> um, but no, in, in all seriousness, if we can just continue building at the way we currently are, I could retire in four to five years um, with the current cash flow that we have. I probably won't because I'm never, I feel like I can never settle, but that's kind of how I imagine it. Eventually, you know, growing the business enough to where like I can buy a bigger apartment complex or something like that to where you can have like an on-site property manager, which then relinquishes a lot of the task from us. But right now I'm, I'm really happy in the single family household. There's not as less stress. You don't have multiple tenants living at the same place. So I don't know. That's, Sounds like a good answer for right now, but that could change in two months from now. It's all about what idea presents in front of me or what deal presents in front of us. I just want to call out how amazing of a journey it is that you guys can, you know, start investing less than two years ago and already be on a track to financial independence and, you know, having the option to leave your jobs in five years or less. Like that is phenomenal. And it just, goes to show that when you combine the proven path of building wealth through real estate investing with a crazy strong work ethic and amazing teamwork, the sky's the limit in terms of what's possible for you. And I really do hope that the two of you achieve that goal um, because you'll inspire so many more people um, through that journey. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. Thank you. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you guys one last question. Um, how does your family feel about your real estate investing? Have they been supportive or, you know, was it something they didn't think you would actually do? Can you kind of give us an insight on that? Yeah, so we can start with my family. So my family has always been very supportive of the idea. However, it took my mom and dad some time to kind of understand what we were doing and why. My dad is kind of the type of person that very much this I probably where I got my mindset of having money in the bank, having money in the bank. And so for me, like having that mindset, like when I would speak to him kind of about what we were doing, it was kind of I was getting that feedback of like, but it's good to have money in the bank. And it's like, right, but um, but now like they've been like super supportive. They're always asking about, you know, the next deal, the next house, if they know we're going to look at something, they'll, my mom will call me up and be like, well, what'd you think? Um, they've helped with the kids. If, you know, we have to go into a house that has people living in it because we don't like them running around, you know, other people's houses. So, I mean, very supportive, um, her, his family on her dad has actually gone <laughs> to properties and helped me fix stuff like yeah. her, her dad's yeah. pretty handy yeah. so he's gone to properties and helped us her mom i'd probably say once a week sends me a property that she's found on facebook yeah and so her mom's constantly sending me property mm-hmm. my family on the other hand um my mom was incredibly supportive um she always has been my one brother kind of wasn't. He thought it was very foolish to pull out the cash or do the cash out refinance in my primary residence. It was too much of a risk for myself and my family and just just didn't think it was a good idea. And it was funny, about a year into this journey, um, I got a text message from him asking him, how am I doing this and how, how, how are things going? Because he's seen how successful we are because every house we buy, we post on Facebook. And he's like, you're, 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 you're doing really well here. Can you teach me how to do this? So it went from like, you're being foolish to can you educate me? And so it kind of did a 180. So it's 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 been nice. Like what I feel like once you prove yourself, then then you're no longer a fool. Like it was, it was just it was very a very frustrating for my family versus her family. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much uh for sharing that with us. Uh can you uh let everyone know where they can find out some more information about you guys and, you know, follow up with some of these questions and learn more about you guys? It's Brandon and Danny Tilson. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Is our Instagram bill. Okay, awesome. I love it. Before we wrap it up, let me just give a quick shout out to this week's Ricky Rockstar as well. So this week's Rockstar is Gifted Mathis. And Gifted said, owning real estate recently became an interest of mine due to the Bigger Pockets community. I'm 27 years old. My wife and I just closed on our third door. She's only been in the United States for five years. And I grew up in poverty and, and the first person in my family to own rentals. So it can be, go- it can be done. Just trust in God, find a great partner and give it all you've got. 
Uh, so gifted, congrats to you and your wife for crushing it and getting that third property closed. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, and Brandon and Danny, thank you so much for coming on today and providing so much value. I know, Brandon, you had said in the beginning that this was kind of a full circle moment for you as to, you know, all the guests that we've had on the podcast, all the value you drew from them, and now you got to provide uh, value to them. So thank you so much for taking the time, both of you, to, to come on the show. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Well, before we leave you today, we're going to give a shout out to uh, someone on Instagram for you guys to take a look at, give them a follow, maybe like some of their posts and learn something. Uh, So this week it is going to be Sarah D. Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R. So S-A-R-A-H-D-W-E-A-V-E-R. And you can learn all about her real estate investments, but also how she also travels the world um, living off the income from her real estate investments and how she manages them from all over the world too. So go and check out Sarah's Instagram page if you want to learn more. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. We will be back this Saturday with a very special, unique show just for you guys for this week's Rookie Reply. We will be breaking down two side hustles. So make sure you guys tune in. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. Take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.